show This is Nerd Podcast Radio. I am your host, Super Vegan Brian, and I am here with Hindu Anthony. What's up, Buttercup? And Special Mikey couldn't be here today, unfortunately. After, um, well, I don't have any creative place where he is, um, (laughs) but I'm sure we'll find out next week. Um, We have a couple of very special guests today. The first time we have had two. two. We have Paul Baum. And David Sholin of Real Guys Cosplay. Hi, guys. How's it going? Hey. What's I guess? It's uh, so good to have you on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Sure. Um, we are the founders of Real Guys Cosplay, and that started in 2013. And we are primarily a, a Walking Dead cosplay recreation group. So we have up to 17 characters, I think, uh, right now that recreate different characters from the show. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, and I feel I should maybe say this just in case, like, there, there, there is legal questionability stuff later. Paul Baum is 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 a relative of mine. So that's right. Well, you have to like you know you got to tell the truth up front. You know. Oh, so somebody's not like you guys don't just know them. They're not good friends of yours, and you didn't go through the trouble of setting them up. He was yeah, your uncle. It's all exactly. It's all rigged. <laughs> There's no conflict of interest, right? Exactly. <laughs> just, just a message out to you there, all listeners that are trying to start your own podcast. We're related to all our guests. Every single one of them. <laughs> Every single one of them. That is absolutely not true. <laughs> we are all members of the Illuminati and have a great network of just available people to be on to manipulate your minds. That if we were part of the Illuminati, I think we'd be a lot more popular than we are right now. <laughs> they, they paid me in hamburgers. I don't know. The Illuminati probably has like a smaller group that's just to manipulate that fringe like 40 listeners a, a week that we have <laughs> and and just to add you know i i want to let everybody know i am a zombie cosplayer or a walker cosplayer typically so i'm not used to talking so much so if i growl a little bit too much during this episode then just deal with it <laughs> he really it, gets in character that that's fantastic well um, we shared a video on the Facebook page, and you're a big part of it, just growling at all these answers to the questions of the interviewer. So I feel very privileged to not have to <laughs> just try to keep my wits about you, asking you questions, expecting actual answers, and just getting growls and chirps. Um, today, we're going to be talking about cosplaying. It's a bit first time talking about that today. But first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game. What's nerdy with you? Um, In this game, we all talk about the nerdiest thing we did this week. At the end, we all vote on who did the nerdiest. I am going to, I don't normally make guests go first, but, uh, you know, Shane was not one of my favorite characters on the show. Boo. So, Paul, (laughs) you're it. What is the nerdiest thing you did this week? All right. So the nerdiest thing that I did this week, and I had to think about this for at least a few seconds. I was being interviewed by Super News Movie Pilot, and they said, show me how you would surprise me as a zombie sneak attack. And what would exactly you do? And so on camera, uh, 200,000 viewers, 
I tapped the person on the shoulder and then kind of roar like a lion. So I would definitely say it was the nerdiest thing. And I, I look back last night. I'm like, what the heck did I do? <laughs> Anthony, what is yours? Halloween is on the way. Yay. And me and the wife and the baby, we went to a Halloween store and I was like, I need to pick a costume because my wife and baby have a costume, but I do not. So I saw this sexy schoolgirl outfit on the guy section. It's one of those like joke costumes, you know, it's got the fake boobies and everything. And then I saw a Donald Trump mask and I was like, oh, I can mix these two and go as Donald Tramp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking oh, that is what I am going to do. I oh, that's the, that's just too great. I wish I could steal that. That's just fantastic. <laughs> I think it'll be a very entertaining costume. I'll have to stop myself from groping myself too much, though. All right, David, what did you do that was the nerdiest thing you did this week? I'm having a running competition in my head, but I think I'm I'm going with Paul and I are going to be a pair of zombies at L.A. Comic Con this coming Saturday. And I need something to carry our stuff that also fits into the theme of the zombies. So I decided I want to find a prop body torso and hollow it out so that we can put all of our memorabilia and water bottles and makeup inside the body so we can just pull it around as we zombie it up over at the con. Oh, that's awesome. I like that one. Yeah, it's just, that's just pretty cool. It's creative. Yes, I have a very straightforward one. Um, nothing super impressive. I started reading Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for the first time. You've actually never read the book? Nope. Wow. Even I've read that book. Nope. Never have. Didn't have to read it in high school. And um, yeah, just never came up. And I really liked the movie. So. Oh, the book is pretty amazing. good so far. Yeah, yeah the book is amazing. So did you, so, did you Anthony, get to the part where he had to deal with the with the horrible with the horrible um poems? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the Vogons. The Vogons. Yeah, I I, I I'm not I, it makes me want to know more about England during the time so I could understand the commentary he's making. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of jokes you like. I don't get who that is, nor the humor of that. <laughs> so Anthony, we got you um we got you set up in a very special place this week. Um, Do we? Yeah, you are um, you are undercover, hidden deep within the production of The Walking Dead in Georgia to get us inside information on what's going to happen next on the show. Um, wh what kind of situation are you in? What have you found out so far? Oh, so it's going to happen on episode two? No, just oh. this whole season. Oh, are you oh. only like? Are you only like? A, a, are you only like getting information on episode two? I mean, they filmed that a long time. Where are you? You're, you're in. You're on the set, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am. OK, I I get it. I get it. Well, I was asking because I didn't know how much of the show you want me to reveal. But I guess I could reveal it all. Uh, they they all die. Oh, everyone. Or is it just focused on Negan right now? Yeah, it's just the story's just going to go and be like, oh, we're just going to follow Negan. Everyone dies that I did not see that coming. Nobody saw questions? it coming. Do you have any questions for the set, for Anthony from the set? I, I'm really confused. They talked about signing for season eight and how the world do you have a show if all the characters are dead? What's going on there? Tell us the truth now. That was a rumor. You guys on the hook. Okay. It was a giant trick. 
So, so all the women should just start rioting now since uh, Daryl's gone, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, get mad now. And how did he die? Um, too much sex. <laughs> <laughs> was it a thing with Andrew Lincoln, or who was it with? Because y- you know they've been blowing sparkly uh, glitter powder in each other's faces and stuff. <laughs> I yeah, I, I would guess Andrew. <laughs> But you know, you can't confirm or deny that, right? Oh, not yet. Already. Maybe it maybe it wasn't the best idea for me to send our our most behind person on The Walking Dead to <laughs> to the set to try to get information. You're probably you, they're probably confusing you because you don't really know what's going on on the show right now. <laughs> well, you know, in an alternate universe, this is all true. What I just said. <laughs> in I, I want to be able to go. What we should have, what we should have done, is fired up our portal and sent you to the alternate universe where it was a show about Negan's gang. Oh man, I'd watch the shit out of that show. That sounds like it'd be cool. See how so, it does. Did Shiva just swallow all of them whole, or what happened? Wow, I didn't even get that question. The, uh, of the kingdom. Oh, oh, <laughs> there we go. oh God. Okay, yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really a Walking Dead nerd. Okay, <laughs> uh, you, you didn't spoil it for me because I, I, you know what? I haven't read the comics, but I've watched a y- lot of YouTube videos about them. Oh, it was on the, it was on the, uh, the uh, last, uh, the, the season six ending commercial. Really? Yes. Yeah they they um they spoiled they spoiled that Shiv is coming. <laughs> Do you even Who know what Shiva that? is, Anthony? Me? No, not at all. No. Yeah. It, so it, I don't it, think I, I thought I, I thought he called you a Hindu. Uh, he did. I was. I was. I was. I, was <laughs> I know exactly who Shiva is. Though, to be fair, to be fair, the God who said I am become destroyer of worlds and swallowed all the worlds was Krishna. Ah, super nerdy information there, everybody. Yes. No, I. What I meant was Shiva in relation to The Walking Dead. Yeah, he just just wrecks it all, destroys everything. Of course, that's obviously what happened. All of a sudden, this particular season, the creators of Walking Dead were like, "Let's go take a Hindu route." We don't they ever just, see that happen. No, no, uh, Shiva in relation. I'm not going to spoil it for you if you don't know. That's cool. You don't know what Shiva is. Cool. That's awesome. I don't think our listeners will too. And this entire this entire bit is just going to be a confusing bit of us laughing at an inside joke that you don't get. That's fantastic. I love it. Especially because you're the one there in Atlanta behind the scenes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I am extra confused. (laughs) So let's get into the topic, guys. So, Paul, David, I want to know. How how did you guys get into cosplaying? Like I, I saw you guys from the beginning and and the start of your of of your group and how big you guys have gotten now. So one has to ask, like, what started that initial creative spark to even begin to yeah, cosplay? What's the starting at all? point there? Well, you know, as the theme of the show, we've been a nerds probably since birth, and so we always liked conventions and pop culture and everything to have to do with those kind of horror, science fiction, fantasy world, and um, those that's where our passion was. But it wasn't until 2013 when Paul decided it was time to shave his head after his hair was thinning a bit um, that I noticed him shaving in the mirror and it resembled a lot like Shane shaving his head in the mirror after Shane killed Otis. Mm. And so I said, you look a little bit like Shane. 
Uh, we later went to a family event that day, and his brother-in-law said, you look like that dick from The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, an idea was born. <laughs> um, and since uh, we'd already figured out that Paul might then need to be Shane of some sort, I thought, who could I be? And I don't want to have to shave my beard. So uh, Rick seemed to be the natural progression from there. But my favorite character on the show is Michonne, so I wanted to see what I could do to kind of honor her a bit. So instead of, in the real guy's universe, instead of Carl finishing off zombie Shane with his bullet, um, we kept Shane, and Shane becomes the group's walker pet. And so we often have Shane on a leash, a la Michonne, and uh, he has gradually decayed more and more as we have kept him around in order to keep up with his, you know, decomposition and spoiler alert for those of you that haven't seen season two all the way through yeah <laughs> shane walsh died <laughs> i could just imagine you guys going to cons and just ruining ruining season two of the walking dead for <laughs> you know those three people at a con that haven't seen it yet exactly like, wait who's that guy that's shane it's like the three people he dies <laughs> He's my favorite character. No. How, well, tell us a little bit about the process of putting together Zombie Shane. Its original concept wasn't incredibly difficult. It was just hunting down parts. We both decided we would wear sheriff's uniforms to match the kind of Kings County Sheriff's environment of season one. I then had to figure out what we were going to do for a collar and a leash. The leash was the first thing that I actually fabricated for our cosplay. I had to figure out how to shackle it and keep it con safe so that uh, they realized that we wouldn't use it a weapon. But my bigger concern was that Paul would be comfortable in it. So uh, getting uh, carrying around a, a real metal chain around his neck for a 10-hour con didn't seem like that would last very long. So um, we I put some pieces together, used plastic chain, and then painted it to look like rusted metal. And that became our first part. But the makeup has evolved over time. The original makeup was just out of a party kit, Halloween kit from the department store. It was one of those plastic things with a uh, cardboard backing. And I had no idea what I was doing. But I And I only did his face. I had no idea about doing arms or hands or anything else. But it worked. I mean, it gave us enough of an impression to start somewhere. And then over time, I was just fascinated by how I could use makeup to transform him. And we've gone into prosthetics and other appliances. I now do airbrushing in addition to the hand makeup um, and uh, use two different to three different kinds of makeup from alcohol based to water based to cream based makeups just to be able to layer it and get the effect that I want. Now, your Rick cosplay, I've seen it and it's uncanny. You look you look very, very close to Rick. How much do you look like Rick before you do the cosplay? I don't think I do. Um, in fact, you know, there, there's some other well-known Rick cosplayers that I say cosplay by DNA. They, I think they got started by because they resembled the actor. Um, you know, I got into it because I just really loved that show and I wanted something I could do with Paul as a cosplay duo. And it just seemed to be the most natural fit. So I do a little transformation with makeup in order to be able to highlight certain features. Um, there are some similarities in, in some of the way that, that we look that I can see in certain angles that he holds his face. And I try to replicate those so that in pictures I get as close to replication as I possibly can. The rest of it is all um, mannerisms and posturing. Oh, so um, a lot of it has to do with like with like, almost like acting. 
a little bit, but more kind of freeze frame. I, I'm still trying to work on my live action impression of Rick. I'm just trying to main, hold that character in a manner that is consistent with the way Andrew Lincoln does it. But I'm not an actor by trade, so it's a little bit harder and challenging for me to do that. But I think for the most part, I know how to be photographed as the character. I know how to hold my body and, and cock my head and, and uh, how to kind of scrunch my face in a way that ends up making good pictures. Yeah, that's pretty much what I think that's pretty much what got me because I, I you you looked like you were you were um, moving like the character moves. Oh, thank you. So you guys have been cosplaying for quite a long time now. Well, since we started in 2013. So counting that year, it's about in the end of this one, it'll be about four years, four years. Yeah. So what is your guys like favorite thing about it? What is the thing that over these years you figured out like that? This is my favorite thing about doing this. Well, I, the first thing I would say is the create tapping back into that original creativity of my childhood. You know, I was the guy, the kid, the teenager that liked to start building sets for the front porch of my Halloween in July and uh, had no idea what I was doing then either, but created witches and guillotines and all sorts of stuff just to be able for that one night. And as I got well into college age, most of that just vanished. Um, it was, you know, I guess not a part of real life anymore. And uh, cosplay has been able to tap back into that. I love fabricating things. I love playing with the makeup, uh, like creating that illusion of a character and then seeing how much joy other fans get from that illusion to, you know, mo most of those folks aren't going to be able to meet those characters or those people in real life. So some mm. ways, I think cosplayers are a cross between the Disney characters at Disneyland and drag queens. We're, we're <laughs> we kind of meet this need <laughs> for the public to be close to somebody that resembles uh, somebody they feel like they have an intimate relationship with. Now, you two are professional cosplayers. How did you make the transition from just being cosplayers to being pros? Kind of by accident. It's... First of all, a, there was a dedication to a certain amount of professionalism in terms of the quality of the work. We surrounded ourselves with other team members that held that same quality. So people will spend months looking for the most screen accurate item to be able to wear and to represent. And we'll change those characters' costumes as the characters on the show change their costumes. And as a result of that, we began getting recognized by organizations and industry that really appreciated what we did, especially folks at AMC and The Walking Dead, who uh, we were one of the first cosplay groups. There weren't a whole lot of Walking Dead cosplayers when we started, and they really liked what we did. So they began inviting us to events and to do things that kind of ramped up our exposure and our professionalism simply because we were now getting something in exchange for our cosplay, either free tickets or being paid or a free booth or exposure in some way. So I think it, it didn't happen intentionally. It just kind of happened out of the growth of our, our, our hobby. You started with a good product and it just naturally progressed. Yeah, I think in some ways. I mean, e even then we didn't, you know, I look back to our original pictures and we all sometimes uh, we have a, a Facebook headquarters page that we all use as members of real guys to communicate with one another. And uh, there's days when we just like post the, the beginning pictures of our <laughs> cosplays um, and we all laugh. And so, I mean, everybody has to start somewhere. And I think th a lot of people come up to us and say, how did you get to this stage of your cosplay? And I said, you need to look at the prior stages to see how we got here. Um, that nobody starts stepping out onto the runway. I mean, you, you have to get to a place where like with any experience, with any practice, you get better with it over time. And that involves dedication, that, in, in, that involves having a, 
a standard um, that you want to present. And I think that's what kept us moving forward. And that's what finally got us recognized. Oh, cool. Thank you for sharing. So how many people are like exactly are in your group? I mean, I know you guys said there's 17, but um, how has how have you guys grown from like what was the starting number and up to now? And are you guys planning on adding any more with, you know, new characters being added, old characters being taken out? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. Um, as far as the starting number, well, it was David and I uh, starting out, you know, walking off the bus at uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2013. And we were received pretty well, surprisingly, even though at that time, um, makeup was very preliminary. I didn't know in the world what I was doing. Um, and even my arms weren't painted back then. So it was really amazing how well it was received. From there, we had met our... Um, Friends now, who was uh, our Carol cosplayer, Amelia, and also Jackie and her boyfriend, Sokin, who were our Glenn and Maggie at the time. From there, we just added multiple people. Our photographer's daughter and her best friend later were Lizzie and Mika. Um, they've since died. Um, so yeah. not, the, not the people, obviously, <laughs> but the people on the show. Um, I didn't want to tell a sad story there or start to. So we've added a lot of people along the way on multiple cons, friends and family and things of that nature. Um, and do we plan to add more people in the future? Well, there's obviously new people on the show. There's obviously people dead. My character, Walker Shane, we turned into a walk. And we have other people that are on and off walkers, but we keep the original shows. As people have seen in the actual show, there's flashbacks to episodes. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to throw them on there. And also, people love them. People love Lizzie, Lizzie and Mika and Tyrese and Bob and those departed people, we choose to keep them on. Um, as far as adding in the future, that's to be determined, but no plans at this time. Yeah, we, we allow each cosplay. After somebody joins the group, they are permanently members of the group. So we don't, if characters get killed off or die, we don't tell them they have to leave. We don't tell them they have to transition their characters. Um we keep those folks. We realize getting all 17 of us together at the same time is a little bit like seeing Bigfoot. Um, it rarely happens. <laughs> um, and so having um, all these different folks that can come together based upon school schedules and work schedules and family demands, um, you know, we average around seven um, at an event um, to be able to manage all of that. So, yeah, a lot of these characters are beloved in some way by somebody, and they, they're iconic to the show, like Lizzie and Mika. And whenever they appear, even though they haven't been around in a few seasons, people immediately know who they are, um, are drawn to those characters, want their pictures with those characters. So it's up to the cosplayers where they want to take their characters. If they want to transition them into zombies or some other version, that's up to them. And we know our Tyrese cosplayer is looking at wanting to transition into Ezekiel. So we're going to see how that goes. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be neat. What um, you Now, you've done a lot of really cool events and been involved in some things that a lot of cosplayers wouldn't be able to. What are your, some of your favorite moments that have happened? Do you have any good stories? We, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, again, that's rather surreal that this thing that just started as putting on costumes to go to a con has become opportunities <laughs> to actually engage in a fandom much bigger than we would ever even uh, dream of. So we've done some really cool things. We've been invited to the um, Saturn Awards for two years in a row, the only Walking Dead cosplayers to do that. The first year we oh, were invited. Cool. Yes. The first year we were invited, um, Melissa McBride and Andrew Lincoln won awards for their 
character parts. And um, they took pictures with us as a part of their kind of winning celebration at the after party. Those were some of my favorite pictures. So we got to meet them up close and they were gracious and, and just as personable and, and uh, engaging as I would hope they would be. And so that was a fun moment. We've gotten to film a video with Norman Reedus uh, for Make-A-Wish Foundation um, and, and through Omaze where they wanted a group of cosplayers and we happened to be at the right place at the right time and, and they invite us to, to participate. So we got to meet him and interact with him. We have um, been a made up as walkers now twice by KNB, which is the makeup studio that does the same makeup for the Walking Dead zombies. Um, one time promoting a, a virtual reality game that hasn't come out yet. It's called um, Overkill's The Walking Dead. It's a virtual reality Walking Dead game. We were invited to E3, um, the electronics trade show, and we spent the whole time at E3 being walkers and engaging the attendees into being scared about that upcoming game. Um, we repeated that um, a, a few weeks ago in Las Vegas when we were invited by Gamblet Gaming to be again made up by KNB to promote their new um, zombie casino game um, that's been coming out. It's also a virtual reality game. We have just recently appeared on national TV through the AMC image spot. Um, we were on um, during one of the commercials for during the premiere where several members of our group got actually profiled and were, were shown during that spot. Um, and for three years in a row, AMC has created a fan reel for it's just its Walking Dead fans. And each year, we are the only cosplayers we're aware of that Paul and I appear in that video each has appeared in that video each year. Okay, so I've seen you guys wow. before. That's why the Rick cosplay looks so familiar. I just need to add one more thing that was really cool recently done. And the reason of this is, is really um, David, our founder, going after um, and really marketing us a bit, too, and reaching out to Walking Dead, the magazine. And we were actually the first cosplayers to be in Walking Dead, the official magazine. They started kind of a cosplay corner around that. And we had nine photos of our group included in that magazine. So it was really cool. Oh, Check that out. Really awesome. Yeah, yes. the current October issue with Negan on the cover. So that's yeah, a sampling of some really cool stuff we got to do when we were at San Diego Comic-Con earlier uh, this year. AMC actually shut down um, their Walking Dead booth and allowed us time in the booth in order to take our pictures. And I don't know if you've seen any pictures of the booth this year. It had the Negan lineup of all of the characters in wax form. <laughs> so we got to inter actually interact with the wax forms. We have our Carol doing a shooting Negan look at the flowers pose. Uh, we have our Michonne doing googly-eyed video faces at the Rick um, thing and then at the Rick statue. And um, Andrew Lincoln, during the time period, had a photo that came out of him kissing his wax statue. So I got to replicate that as a cosplayer kissing the Rick statue. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> that's, that's, that's adorable. So you guys talked about going to, you know, the uh, going to the award shows. Have you guys as a group received any awards yourselves as a cosplay group? Yes, um, we haven't entered a lot of competitions in a few years. I think it, it got to a stage where especially as we were invited to cons, a special guests that we thought that was kind of uncouth if we were invited to, to enter into the contests. Oh, okay. uh, other contests, some of the larger venues, they don't think what we do is cosplay, and we can talk about that later. Yes. <laughs> um, they wouldn't let us enter because they said what we do isn't cosplay. Uh, but 
uh, all together between some individual awards for some of our individual characters, as well as the things that we've entered as a group. I think we've won about seven cosplay different competitions. Wow. wow. You know, and it was neat too. uh, Just, just recently we had an opportunity at the Long Beach zombie fest to actually host and judge a, uh, a walking dead or zombie themed contest as well from, if anybody remembers Oscar from the prison days and the walking dead, he was actually a co-host and judge on that too so it was a really awesome opportunity also i met him at frankenson's last year oh cool really nice guy isn't he yeah yeah he was really cool and he spent tons of time with fans it was really cool he was he was in his prison garb on top of it there too so that was kind of cool yeah the actor's name is vincent ward now I'm curious. Uh, you mentioned a group of people that said that what you guys are doing are doing isn't cosplay. Now I'm curious, like, yeah, yeah. Why did they say that? Because right you guys now. are obviously like pretty talented cosplay people. I just need mind. to interject a zombie growl there for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had the same response. Uh, we we tried to enter. I won't say what the convention is, but it's one of the largest conventions. And we tried to enter as a group for their cosplay competition. And the assistant director of that of their of their masquerade told us that what we did wasn't cosplay. That street clothes aren't costume. And I said, well, tell that to Yulin Womble. And she was the, the costumer for The Walking Dead. She, she resigned from the show last season, but uh, so they'll have a new costumer for season seven. But uh, she's been with it from the beginning through up through season six. And so I said to them, you know, tell it to the actual costumer um, <laughs> who has to put the costumes together. So his idea was he, he tried to explain to me that if you're walking down the street and people don't know that you're wearing a costume, it isn't a costume. And I told him we had never been able to walk down the street and not have people stop us. Mm. And that if what we did was so simple, then how come so many other people contact us and ask how we do it? So but that wasn't enough to convince him. Uh, but this year we may have had a little retribution and that uh, somebody higher up than him stopped us at that same convention this year and said, did you enter the cosplay competition? <laughs> and we told her, uh, no, we're not able to. And she said, give me your name and information. I'm going to check into that. So nice. We're well, going to represent for those cosplayers who, you know, what we do is called screen accurate costuming. It's not the same as is necessarily having to fabricate or sew everything. So, you know, I admire those costumers that actually start with just a bolt of fabric or a, a sheet of warbler and they can turn something into that. And it takes a, a high degree of skill and I'm not downplaying them at all. I, I think their their contributions need to be recognized um, by far none. But I even brought up to him, I said, I've had to evolve and understand how to do my Paul's makeup. And he said makeup wasn't costume. So, you know, those folks who do all of that fabrication from scratch really do need to be recognized. Oh, and I was told by that same masquerade assistant director that makeup wasn't costuming. And I wanted to tell him, do do you know how difficult it is to be somebody that does like prosthetics and other appliances and to apply makeup in a way that ends up with a realistic result? Um, He said, well, you know, that's just kind of an accent, like when you put on the the pointy ears if you've done an elf costume. And I said, that's not what I do. <laughs> that's not that's not what I do. So there can be a little bit of a snobbery in some of that um, kind of traditional cosplay competition stuff. And that's not to 
mock or put down those folks who do that fabrication. We have had to fabricate some of our stuff because, or sew or create some of our stuff because it doesn't exist. Um, and right now we're working on another set of costumes for the Game of Thrones, which are all fabricated. Um, it's, it's, you know, you just can't go down and buy armor. So um, you got to put all that stuff together somehow. And, uh, and it, it is another set of skill um, to make. But if, if they could see what our cosplayers do to find the exact replica piece, especially if something is out of stock or hasn't even been made in 10 years or was found in a vintage store that the customer originally made, um, then uh, to replicate those things or to get them as close as we possibly can to the way the characters wore them on screen um, takes a lot of effort. And for me, screen accuracy also means that they look like you stepped off the show. So we have to weather and distress and age and sometimes bloody um, certain parts of our clothing in a way, again, that doesn't look like somebody just dumped blood on you or just dumped dirt on you, that you do it in a way where it looks more authentic. Anyway, that's Hmm. that's some of our uh, our cosplay competition journey. uh, I'm just imagining this person. I'm just imagining this person you were talking to and they don't sound like they knew what the hell they were talking about. (laughs) I wonder if they're still there, to be honest. Well, and again, it's it's a well-known convention with a well-known audience. Um, and, and again, it, it's been my experience that there is a group of folks, you know, when Paul and I had entered a, a competition at a very small con that had some judges that I call, will call more old school judges. Mm. And most of our early costume was purchased. We had to put it together. And then I did, again, Paul's makeup. I fabricated his chain, those sorts of stuff. They wouldn't even ask us any questions. They, they walked by us to ask the other cosplayers questions. They wouldn't even ask until one of them stopped and said, who does his makeup? And I thought, well, at least somebody is recognizing that there's something more here than just purchasing things. Uh, there, there's a part of this costume that has to be applied and conceived um, and done every time. Um, that he's in costume. It's not like, you know, once it's built, I can just take it out of the closet and put it back on again. I have to put that makeup on every time um, he goes um, into that character. So if um, someone is where they were, where you were in 2013, and they just want to get into it, and let's say that they're at a bare bones skill level, um, what kind of advice would you give them on um, start getting into cosplaying? So I'll just ask it like from my point of view, because I have no skills. I've always thought, you know, it would be cool to do some cosplay that was actually kind of impressive. Um, Where should I start? Well, I just want to, first of all, say that you definitely have a lot of skills to put together a podcast and be able to ask these questions and talk to a zombie actually in person. So (laughs) beyond that, as far as having skills for cosplay, I would say first and foremost is the passion for what you're doing. We all, most of us nerds, and I'm definitely going to call myself a big nerd, and uh, we have our fandoms, um, whether it be Walking Dead, whether it be Disney princesses, whether it be zombie uh, Disney princesses, <laughs> finding <laughs> finding our passion and what makes us kind of tick, you know what I mean? From there, it's let me find something that I can go with. It's not just about do I look like the person. It's about do I have passion for this. And I'll tell you that this can start out um, as a very minimal hobby and spending a little bit of money. I found out about a cool, and I'll plug them real quick, a cool little company called Walmart. Um, in Vernon, California, they sell items of clothing that could be cosplay 
um, for like a dollar or five dollars. You can go down to your local thrift store and pick something up and really make it your own. Um, try to find something similar. So I would say first and foremost, it's about the passion and it's about really taking the time and doing it. Yeah, I think I think the the to, to start in cosplay, echo what Paul said. It really the difference between cosplay and putting on a costume is that I think cosplayers have a connection to the character that they are cosplaying. So you know, I might think it's really cool to be Batman for Halloween, and so I go down to the party store and buy a Batman costume. To me, that isn't cosplay. Um, to spend you know, countless hours making sure that you're replicating a costume so that it matches how the character presents on TV because you love that character, because you celebrate that fandom, because you want to connect to other fans who appreciate the show and appreciate the detail you put into it is different than just putting on a costume. So Paul's right. I think first you have to find a character that you connect to, that you have that kind of passionate connection, whether that is, um, you know, from any medium, from TV, video games, comic books, movies, from in, from a, a novel from whatever medium to even creating your own um, if you wanted to something that you just feel really proud and connected to because you conceived it on your own and then just do it you know if, if you have to take the plunge at some point and just say what I do now isn't necessarily going to be where it ends up uh, but you know we we got really nicely received our first time out uh, and it wasn't nearly what we're able to achieve now. You know, we had to start somewhere. You have to learn from somewhere. And folks who love the same fandom that you do will appreciate it regardless. Um, there are always trolls and yeah. trolls are evil and they will say evil things to you regardless of you could be perfect. In fact, there's a, a story where Hugh Jackman went onto the San Diego Comic-Con floor dressed as Wolverine and they asked people, how well do you like this guy's cosplay? And he got criticisms. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and I also heard the other day that Charlie Chaplin was in a lookalike contest and he ended up winning third. So, you know. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that story before, yeah. So, it's just a matter of doing it, taking the risk to, to get that degree of attention and then move from there. What you don't want, keep moving forward. Sometimes limits like budget or skill more time can actually make you your most creative. Um, we've experimented a hundred different ways on how to dirty clothing. Um, you never <laughs> thought that that would be an issue. Uh, but when you're doing Walking Dead cosplay, you have to have multiple ways of making sure that it looks like authentically distressed or weathered clothing. Um, so now I know a whole bunch of different ways just from experimenting. And that's the other thing is, is uh, if you're struggling with that, but you really know, hey, I want to do this character, but you don't know where to start. There's so many amazing forums. I know I get direct messages sometime on Instagram, um, people wondering how to do certain things, how we did it, how to start. Um, you can definitely contact some cosplayers. Most of them are really helpful. And also there's a lot of great forums out yeah, there. A lot too. of cosplay forums to join. Some are very specific to a genre or to a show. So... That way you can actually meet other fans and create those relationships and they can do helpful hints on how to develop the cosplay. Now, is yeah, cosplay always connected to a fandom? Not necessarily. I think that's it's been its most recognizable in that form. But, you know, sometimes it's a, as a genre, like a, a lot of anime characters. That's probably where cosplay started. And then there are communities that it's a, I think it's a cross between cosplay and maybe a lifestyle. Like you have like the steampunk community, which will simply create these really elaborate steampunk costumes 
they tend to wear them only at steampunk events or at steampunk um, or, or at like conventions. So they're not necessarily cosplaying a character, but they're recreating a style that is loved by that particular community. Oh, okay. I can see I can see a new cosplay character coming out already. And, you know, I think the idea was from Anthony, do some Donald Trump cosplay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I think I think uh, the important part between, I think, just putting on a costume and cosplay, I think kind of goes to that second word in the word, which is cosplay. You know, it's um, you, you're kind of playing you're you're acting. You try to you try to go beyond that. I'm just wearing a costume. Yeah. And I think that's the important part to remember is it doesn't matter how great your costume is or how not great it is, because you could have like a thousand dollar perfect replicated costume and still not be cosplaying because you're just nah, I just wear it because it looks cool. Well, like we but, were at a, a convention not too long ago and I saw what I thought was one of the most awesome Daenerys Targaryen costumes that I had seen. Uh, a woman had put on like a nude bodysuit. And she mm. kind of just put some dark marks on it like it was torched. And then in the appropriate kind of places to, to hide her, her female parts, she had little stuffed dragons. <laughs> I, I think I saw that on like on Imgur. I think I saw the pictures. Yeah. That did not cost her a whole lot of money to create. No, that and it costume. probably wasn't it was that hard to lo- make. It was just like a whole lot of imagination. And a whole lot of costume. confidence. Yeah, I've what seen a- other like with the, the onset of Stranger Things, which I love, by the way. Oh, uh, people doing some really creative things with old school bulb Christmas lights and wallpaper <laughs> um, and just yep. getting really creative with how they present. So it doesn't have to be uh, a big investment. Um, it just has to be something that I think somebody has put a lot of has put love into because they really appreciate being connected to that particular um, fandom or community or, um, you know, just that, that kind of genre. One of yeah, my one favorite of ones I've ever seen was um, somebody had just taken cardboard boxes and made the different parts for their body. And on the outside with Sharpie, they drew the Iron Man Mark One armor. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, and they left like flaps hanging out and stuff. So it 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 was a put together costume, but it was deliberately made to look yeah. really cheap. Like they that's threw cool. it together, but it still looked like it probably took a lot of work. There's a, a troupe, I think that's called low budget cosplay. And they do that intentionally. They will, you know, create their costumes out of household objects. So we asked earlier about like, you know, your guys's most positive um, feelings about cosplay. What are the things you love? But what, what, what are the things that are actually difficult? I mean, it's not all, sunshine and rainbows and super easy or else everybody would do it there's got to be certain parts of it that are difficult that some days you just want to tear your hair out and you're like oh my god i'm just i hate this today you're asking two bald guys about ripping their hair out so i just want to start there uh there there's some things that are just a natural part of the i think the frustration of developing any kind of practice or any kind of thing that uh that needs practice and rehearsal to get better so those are par for the course, like, you know, learning how to better sew things or fabricate things or not having enough money to get something. So you have to try to be creative and find some other way to get it. That's that's par for the course. If you're not if you're if you can't handle any of that, then cosplay isn't going to fit. Um, but there's other things that can become feel a little bit more personal. Um, 
like uh, folks who uh, make rude or inappropriate comments, um, who I had another well-known Rick Grimes cosplayer who targeted me and intentionally had people post bad things on on any of my postings. Um, Things that were like kind of, you know, cosplay comes out of nerd culture. So I would hope that most of the folks that experienced um, who are a part of that kind of community understand what it means to feel marginalized and to be made fun of and to be teased and not to fit into the popular group. And yet there is this this sub part of the community that can be a little bit vicious, um, who probably aren't really engaged in a whole lot of creativity themselves, but want to make sure that folks who are that they put them down in some way. So those can be uh, painful, depend- especially if it's for, against people that we love or care about, like other members of the group. And then depending on just how nobody likes to be picked on. So, you know, it, it stings regardless of no matter how thick your skin is. So that's probably the worst part um, of it. Got anything to add to that, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that that's the worst part of it would be that. And in, in we've had a, a couple cosplayers from our group, one in particular, actually resign one or two of her costumes um, due to that, um, some harsh criticism. And I don't know, I'm a, bri- I'm a big... I'm a big fan of the cosplay and the convention community because people at the cons, they really do get along with each other great. And my personal feeling is, is that most of it is from outside and just people that are kind of jealous or, or feeling like, Hey, that's my only power is to attack somebody else. Yeah. Or they're online and you know, the, the, uh, the anonymity of it allows them to attack others because, when you're behind or, you know, the they, they think it's cool or it's funny. They'll try to make a comment that's funny. And then sometimes I'll respond to them and they realize, oh, that's a human being behind that. And sometimes they'll back off a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not there's probably more admirers and more supporters than there are folks who who uh, are, are critical or are demeaning. But, you know, I, I just had a discussion with some of our real guys, folks today that said, you know, uh, it, it takes like one um, troll to ruin 12 admirers you know it's kind of like, it's it like really does though one person can say something really terrible and it takes you out of this good mood you know and as we try to risk and do things that are a little bit different and they're still a little clunky like i'm still trying to get my rick voice down and jesus they raked me over the coals because it wasn't perfect yet it's like you know i wanted to say how many of you are doing the costume you know putting a costume together and cosplaying probably none of the people who criticize that um were uh, who are doing those things but you know that's probably the hardest part and no one likes trolls so i mean if you're out there listening we're, we're going to do our best to help that out uh, everybody likes troll too of course and nilbog is a great place to visit um which i totally recommend for anthony to go next is nilbog if you haven't seen troll 2 check it out I saw okay. the documentary about it. <laughs> that's that's Paul's another inside joke from Paul. Are you familiar with Troll Two, Anthony? No, <laughs> no. Nope. Tell, tell us a little <laughs> bit about about Troll Two, Paul. It's it's a phenomenon. Yes, I love yes. Troll Two. No, but what what is Troll Two for our listeners who would have no clue? Troll Two is called. It's affectionately known as the best worst movie. Um, it was a movie that had no intention of being as bad as it actually is. I think you have to put a lot of special bad together in order to be able to create this movie. And because of that, it has a rather campy quality to it that um, is rather endearing. It's got it's got a bad everything uh, from uh, the script. The funny thing is 
the, the director and the writer are from Italy and English is their second language. And they were trying to direct the American cast on how to act more American. And they um, so there's some very interesting dialogue as a result of that. And there is uh, they actually when they started doing Troll 2 like showings, like midnight showings, a lot like Rocky Horror Picture Show kinds of stuff. They got so popular, they invited the director and the writer and other cast members to it. And the director and writer had no idea that people were actually parodying this. They thought they were coming to be honored for this great phone. Oh, no. Together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's pretty painful to watch when they finally realize, oh, you're making fun of it. So, yeah. I, I One of the things I like about Troll 2 is they, they didn't hire a lot of real actors. They just picked people right. from the community where they were filming. Yeah, kind of the, like the guy that plays the father was the town dentist, and the man that plays the drugstore owner in Neilbog actually was in a psychiatric hospital during the weekend that they filmed, and the, he was able to get passes away from the hospital to just perform the role, and then he had to readmit himself at the end of the day. Oh my god! Truth, truth. <laughs> I just, I just googled this movie. It has like a six percent Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> But, but for its camp value, you must see. Yes. And now there's actually a musical version. Um, it's out here in uh, the Los Angeles area. It's called Neil Bog, the unofficial musical of Troll 2. And we saw it at Scarole this year. They put on a version at Scarole. It was interactive. You got to throw things at the cast. And they have oh, songs hilarious. now to go with <laughs> to go with the movie. Um, I liked it a lot. It was fun. That's hilarious. That is that is a fandom that I had no clue about until I saw the documentary. I watched that whole documentary without having any knowledge of Troll 2, and I was I was amazed. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I well, have you know, a special edition on DVD. Can you give us a little bit of a sneak preview of what you got planned for Game of Thrones? Sure. We don't want to give away our characters too much because we want that to be a big reveal. Okay. Uh, but they are our Paul and I always plan our costumes as. Um, to complement one another as couple costumes. So they are two characters from the show that are highly associated with one another. Um, both of them are considered warriors on the show. And uh, both of them have had to go through quite a transition to get to where they currently are in their storyline. So um, one of the characters will be in full armor. And the other character is not in full armor. Well, actually no armor at all. It's actually a uh, just a... Kind of regular attire, but rather thrashed based upon the uh, the scene that we're trying to recreate. That gave us all a lot of clues. That, that yes, it did. <laughs> totally gave it away. <laughs> I, I I I have a theory, but I don't want I don't want to put you under pressure to reveal. So, oh, we won't anyway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can put as pressure as much pressure as you want, and it won't be revealed. <laughs> I immediately thought Jamie Lannister was one of them, and I was like, and and now I'm like really curious. So I can't wait until you guys make the announcement. <laughs> well, we, we're hoping to debut the characters at WonderCon. So this coming spring in Anaheim, San Diego Comic-Con, SisterCon, WonderCon. It's in Anaheim again this year. It's usually in April, sometimes usually around Easter. And our goal is to have them done by then. But again, this is a new territory for us. Just like, uh, again, to kind of reinforce to any listeners who are worried about where do you start in cosplay the idea of fabricating all of these costumes from scratch is a little bit intimidating. We have done a lot of reading. We've taken some classes. We have been consulting with people who do it better than we do. We have gone online and looked at people who have created costumes like these before. We've done a lot of research. And so 
we're at the place now where it's like, well, you know, shit or get off the pot. So we yeah. are, it, it's time to do them. And I'm sure they will not be as good as we would like them to be. But um, we're going to do our best to make them at least honor the characters that we're representing. And and it was kind of difficult, too, because not all the costumes have, you know, uh, the wonderful patterns that, you know, some of them do. I can't just go buy a Disney princess pattern and say, okay, this is for Game of Thrones, you know. They don't sell the certain patterns. So I was actually be able to find patterns like uh, history-type patterns from the medieval ages. So that was really helpful. It almost seems like you learn, you have to learn what was going through the head of the costumer on the show. Yeah, and many times that's like, that was one of our favorite things about having um, Yulin Womble, who's now Yulin Hufke, um, as the costumer of The Walking Dead. She loved her cosplayer so much that she would have dialogues with us, but, you know, she wouldn't give it to you. Uh, rarely would she say, this is it. She would, you could tweet her, am I on the right track? Can you at least give me a little bit of a bone so I know exactly where I should be looking? <laughs> and uh, she hung out with the cosplayers when she was at conventions and is, is a gracious, beautiful lady to begin with and talented at what she does. I, I learned some things about just from a documentary or like they did a profile on her on how to stain clothing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's what she does. Uh, so there, I think... Getting in the mind of the costumer not only is a compliment to the costumer, but certainly it, it puts you in a better position to make the most accurate piece that you can. Oh yeah. And we're not we're not recreating armor, so I'm quite sure the uh, the uh, actors on the Game of Thrones they actually are wearing forged armor. We're using Warbla, Bondo, and craft foam, which is pretty standard for cosplay armor. And so we're just learning from other cosplayers who have done this before us and have learned to master to make plastic and foam look like real metal. So oh, I know what wow, all those hard. things are except for Warbla and Bondo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Warbla is a form of thermal plastic. It, it's malleable with heat. Um, and then it will take the form that you mold it into. It actually started in Germany, and they used it for the soles of shoes. And I don't know who got the idea that you should get it in bigger sheets. It's it's kind of expensive, so you got to be got to depend on what you're going to do with it. Um, but it's it's a favorite among cosplayers because it is so you can cut it into pieces. You can it, it, it adheres to itself. So when you heat it, it sticks to itself. Some problems though with it become that it is. Thermoplastic. So if you're standing out in the sun for too long or if you leave it in your car, it's going to melt and reshape that thing. So by oh. putting Bondo on it, which is the same kind of um, like stucco type material that they use to take dents out of cars um, and you put that over it and you sand it, you then at least have another layer that allows it to keep its form, but also to make it look like metal. It allows for that same kind of sheen that would happen on a car in order to be able to keep it to make it look like it's metal. Oh, wow. That sounds really cool. As soon as you talked about Warbler was, I realized I'd seen it before I watched a um, I watched a YouTube video on how to do Leviathan prosthetic makeup from Supernatural. And they used Warbler to make the tongue. Yeah. Oh, wow. You can, it's, I've, I've known cosplayers to create like those more kind of modern day superhero masks, the one where it doesn't really look like there's a strap and it's adhered to their face. Um, cosplayers have turned that into warb, have cut warble into shapes and then just because you can heat it and then actually shape it to your own face um, so that, you know, it's going to match your own bone structure and look like it's a custom fit. So it's a, it's a really nice material to work with when you're having to fabricate. 
Um, it may have some of its limitations, but it's it's kind of a standard. Can you share some of the technical details on the makeup you use? Sure. Um, and it keeps evolving. Like one of the great things, one of the things that I, I really have, have loved about uh, some of the opportunities that we've had is when we were able to work with KNB, the the it's actually Greg Nicotero and his partner Studios who create these walkers and other creatures on The Walking Dead. Kurtzman, Nicotero, and Berger. There you go. So when w- working with them had allowed me to actually ask questions and get to know people who do this for a living. And Joe Giles, who is the makeup artist that now I've been able to work with twice, who's not only just a very talented guy at, in his own right, but he's just a great guy. He's very generous and always, was also a big Halloween nerd most of his life. And so we relate in terms of that part of our own histories. And he gives me tips when I'm in there. So I'm, I'm changing some of the things that I'm, the last makeup that I did on Paul, I've used a different color scheme that I traditionally do, and I've used different makeup. So that's kind of a long intro into what the process looks like, because it looks a little different now than it did when I first started, or even looked a different than it did a month ago. Um, there's, a, there's a base that we, there's two primary prosthetics that I use. One is pre-made um, that I use, that I adhere. It's the big hole in Paul's head. Um, that one is pre-made. I just paint it to, and, and molded it and create the, um, to make sure there's no lines, no seams when it's attached to his skin. And then the other one I do is the, what I call the skin decay, um, on the rest of his entire head. Since he's bald, I do it all over his head. Um, and that is a combination of a base of liquid latex and then food. Uh, it's a combination of oatmeal and breadcrumbs and putting those together to be able to create texture. Um, I'm, I'm slowly learning where to put the, the latex in a manner to create patterns that I think make look more natural to the decay and to the shape of his skull. And then comes painting it. And it starts with a, a water-based makeup, the same exact color that they use for the walkers on The Walking Dead I finally was able to find. Um, and so that becomes first the first layer. Then we airbrush using alcohol-based alcohol, colored, uh, alcohol based paints that are um, keeping in a brown skin tone, a brown decaying um, palette. Um, there's some then I, I go in and I hand paint um, to highlight some of the prosthetic pieces using um, cream makeups because uh, they spread easier. I can, I can, I'm able to get gradations of color easier that way. Uh, then comes painting his teeth to make them look like they're rotten. He puts in contacts, obviously, to change the color of his eyes. And then we do blood highlights. So parts of depend where they're like the wound in his, in his head, we, we bloody up. And then some, we put some blood around his mouth in order to look like he's freshly eaten somebody. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah, it made the cool. costume scarier for me because I actually have a gluten allergy. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Fear yeah. became very real for him. <laughs> now. Um, with cosplay, um, I've heard the comment that it's not real cosplay unless you get uncomfortable during the day. I know that's not always true about all costumes, but what are your comfort levels through an entire con? The most unco- – I, I disagree. <laughs> um, I build my cosplay parts around comfort. It's one of the reasons why I said that original chain that I use as, as Zombie Shane's leash – um, I knew that if I used a heavy material, 
Paul would be able to tolerate that for maybe 15 to 20 minutes before he'd say, we're taking this thing off. And I want his presentation to be cool throughout the entire day. So whether you're the last fan to see us at you know, eight o'clock at night or whether you're the first fan to see us at nine in the morning, I want it to be the same. I want it to have the same appearance. So I think comfort's important to build into the costume uh, because you are going to be in that thing all day long and for many time, hours at a time, more so than sometimes people will be on set mm-hmm. um, on a movie or on a TV show. Um, like we were talking to the makeup artists again from KNB and and they were telling us how to do like mouth effects like if you want teeth to look discolored or look like the zombie had just chewed on something and what they use is just colored icing black icing and they put it in their mouth and you'll notice kind of like when little kids have a, a blue cupcake in their or yeah. an adult and they get a blue tongue they do that with the black icing and then so i said but how long does that last and they said oh about 15 to 20 minutes i'm like i gotta have something that lasts eight hours yeah so like, um, this needs to go on for a long time guys a whole tube of frosting all day long mm. i mean that's not gonna work and you know you think about as far as comfort and yeah i i you know i can see wanting to get totally uncomfortable if it's a two-hour competition or a cosplay contest but when you're talking about events like san diego comic-con that are four or five days long and i may sleep in makeup two days in a row you want to make sure that the costume is somewhat comfortable Mm -hmm. yeah and there are some parts that that uh you tolerate a little bit like you know San Diego Comic-Con this year, it was about 92 degrees, even right next to the beach in San Diego. And I'm wearing a leather coat with a Sherpa collar. So that wasn't incredibly comfortable. <laughs> Got a little bit warm, but it wasn't like um, intolerable. Obviously, I stayed in it almost when I wore that particular creation, um, what I call brown coat, Rick. Then I stay in it all day so I can keep that recreation. Yeah, when I think of comfort, I immediately think of the heat, too. Does that require a lot of touch-ups to the makeup throughout the day? Sometimes. It depends on how well I fixed the makeup. It depends on how much movement Paul is doing during that day. You tend to, The makeup in its primary area stays on without a whole lot of touching up. It's usually around his neck where the, the costume collars will rub against the makeup repeatedly. And just like sandpaper on on paint, eventually it comes off. So I tend to seal those areas more extensively. And I use multiple layers of seal. Sometimes I'll not only powder it, I'll then spray it with what's called fixing spray. Um, it's specifically made for makeup to, to make it adhere. And then over that, I've discovered this is this is David experimenting that one of the best seals for that kind of makeup for long term is like 70 um, SPF spray um, sunscreen because it's like lacquer (laughs) and it's made for the skin and it doesn't come off, especially those that are made for like going into water. Um, or like the kids sprays that are like all day, they'll stay on the kid all day. You have to scrub that stuff to get it off. It stays on 70% or higher. They even have some that come in a hundred. It's really like honey. It's very thick. Um, I'll spray that on and I get a lot longer without having to touch up the areas that have the, the more, the greater costume rub. And then usually around his eyes, because of just blinking, you'll get creases in the makeup around his eyes, and sometimes we'll have to touch those up. So yeah, there's that, and there's also um, contacts wearing them for long term. Really, my optometrist was like, you really shouldn't be wearing these contacts more than six to eight hours. Sometimes we're out there 10 to 12 hours from the time makeup starts. It may be at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and we don't get back to the room until like 8 o'clock at night. So you're talking 14, you know, 16 hours sometimes. 
and those contacts have to be adjusted. Sometimes eye drops put in, and that can run the makeup along the eyes. The other thing is if I actually plan to eat during the day, the teeth will get messed up and all around yeah. the mouth as well. Yeah, and those are simple fixes. How do you deal with the food? Do you just have um, to touch up after? Yeah, I mean, normally just touch up. It really depends what I'm eating. But if I feel if it's like a whole whole on meal, like a, like an entire brain or something, then uh, or a hamburger, <laughs> you know, he'll usually have to redo my teeth and redo around my mouth entirely. Sometimes I don't feel like tasting the um, sweet blood, uh, fake blood on there. So I'll wipe that off my mouth, too, and then actually eat. <laughs> the stuff that we use for teeth adheres actually for uh, it will adhere through liquids. Um, depending on what he eats and how long he eats, it'll act, it'll typically stay on there. Even sometimes where I'll say, yeah, some of it came off, but it still looks pretty good. I don't think we have to touch it up. The, the greater areas around his mouth, sometimes I'll laugh because they'll be after he's eating and granted he's wiping his mouth, uh, with a napkin and stuff as he's eating, he will only have the only thing that doesn't have makeup on it will be his lips. So you see this, you know, these big Paul lips sticking through this zombie makeup. <laughs> and I'm like, we got to redo your mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, did you have any more questions? You know, no, I think I'm all questioned out. I think I got all the all the information I needed and learned learned actually a lot more about cosplaying than I thought I was going to. Yeah, so, I I'm I'm really impressed. You guys were great. Thank you for being on. I do wanted to ask you um while we're wrapping up, what do you have coming up? Um what are your next events? What are your next projects other than Game of Thrones or anything like that? Uh, anything we've mentioned already? Well, October is the end of our con season, so we're looking forward to a little bit of a break. Uh, we are going to L.A.'s Comic-Con, Stanley's L.A. Comic-Con, formerly known as Kamikaze. We're going one day, we're going on Saturday, and we're going to mix it up a little bit. So um, instead of being Rick and Zombie Shane, which we've been doing as our primary costumes now for three to four years, um, we're going to go as a, a zombie duo. So I, I get to actually get my zombie on um, for that day. And it'll be interesting that I'll apply my first time applying makeup to myself, but Paul has to do the back of my head, and he's never done the makeup at all. So, <laughs> so we're gonna have our own challenge, uh, but we're gonna hopefully set it up. Where we're still having a good time. That Other than that, cool. we don't have anything more on the books, at least currently. Anything nerdy you guys are just planning on doing? Pardon me. Anything nerdy you guys are planning on doing? Like, what are you watching? And and oh, we um, got something nerdy coming up on November the 11th that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, we got tickets to Delusion, which is an interactive play uh, that um, takes its audience. You have to crawl through things. You have to participate with the actors when they're performing. Um, it's supposed to be terrifying. And uh, I'm waiting on that. I, I want to be terrified. This should be, it's a highly I, I interactive, wanted, dramatic performance. So I'm waiting on that. I like that kind of thing. Is that something I could go to? Um, you could <laughs> if they still had tickets. Uh, uh, they near The pre-sale of those tickets nearly sold, I think, 60% of all the tickets sold out in pre-sale. And then trying to find, I wanted to go before Halloween and there they were sold. I tried to get four tickets in a row and... They said, we don't have any four tickets left. We got two here and one here and three here. So I had to wait till the 11th of November to find four tickets to the same show. I, the, I, other, the other the other fun thing we, we'll, we'll plan on doing is having some really cool nerdy game nights, oh, game playing night. games like like Super Fight from Skybound Games. And and uh, what's the other I heard, one? The, I heard uh, good things about Super Fight. 
some haunted mansion type game. I can't recall the name of it offhand. What, what's the one where we betrayal just on the house Jared, on the hill? where it's like it has the werewolves and the there, there's a game where you actually do it's most it's cards and an app on your phone and everybody closes their eyes and sits in a circle and you're identified as different characters based upon the card and then the app tells you what you have to do. We just oh, played it last cool. month with our with at our buddy um, Frankie and Robert's house. And they had uh, uh, some people over, and it was like, that was really fun. We play in a new game that we've gotten into. Uh, our, our photographer friend, Marsha, got us into called Dixit, D-I-X-I-T, which is a little bit like apples to apples, but it's all done with pictures. So you have these really intricate, um, surrealistic drawings that, that the illustrators give you in cards. Somebody looks at a card and then p- labels it with a title. And your, their job is to try to convince most people what their card is, but not everybody. Because if you convince everybody, you don't get any points. You want to try to fool people. And then people put in their cards under the same theme to try to distract people about which is the one that was actually put in by the original like judge or active player. So those, yeah. those are really fun. The other one I was thinking of was House on the Hill. House on yeah, the Hill. Yeah, Betrayal on the House on the Hill. Mm. Yes, exactly. We just got yes. the expansion pack for that one. Um, there's another cool board game if you guys want to try it out. Um, I, I I watched some people on YouTube playing it called um, Secret Hitler. Interesting. Uh, the idea is that there you get a group of friends and some of you guys are fascists and some of them are liberals and one person's Hitler and the liberals are either trying to make sure that they that the liberal policies win or the fascists are trying to make sure the fascists win or trying to shoot Hitler. Or Hitler becomes the the president. All right, it sounds and a little those, bit like that werewolf game. It does. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. It's Hitler. one of those like it's one of those social deductive games. Um, it's made by the people who made Cards Against Humanity. Ah, okay, okay, cool. I've seen people play werewolf before, but I've never seen people play it with an app on the phone. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I, I'm. Quite, I can't remember the actual title of the game, but somebody's there's. People who are end up being werewolves. There's people who end up being masons. There's people that end up being villagers. There's a paranormal investigator. You can decide <laughs> the mix of the actual characters and how many you want to add into the actual gameplay. Then people sit around the table. You have to close your eyes, and the app begins to speak to you. So it says, you know, the werewolves, now open your eyes and acknowledge each other. Masons, open your eyes and see if there's another mason. And then there's people whose whose goal is to actually lie. I can't remember what that character's name is. They're trying to fool you into believing that they're somebody who they're not. And so when the discussion begins, you never know who's lying. You have to try to deduce. The werewolves are closer trying to lie because they don't want to be caught. And but at the end of the game, you have to try to identify who the who the werewolves are. And the werewolves are trying to identify who the villagers were, because if they identify the correct villagers, those villagers die uh, and the werewolves win. And if you're a villager who correctly identifies the werewolf, then obviously the villager wins. Fun stuff. And it's a t- really old, cool game. It's been around a long time in lots of different versions. All right. Awesome. The other thing that I'm looking forward to as far as games is I had just heard about Borderlands 3, a rumor about that coming Ooh, yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm looking forward to reading more a, about that's that. That's my favorite video RPG is border, the Borderlands series. I am the gaming nerd of the group, so <laughs> I would know cool. these things. <laughs> I only watch people play games on YouTube. That's my... That's my modus operandi. When Borderlands 2 came out, Paul was one of those people that went and stood in the midnight line 
to make sure that he was able to get one of the first copies that we had. Pre- I don't know if we pre-ordered or not, but he was there. And Paul is very schmoozy. He can he can get people to give him almost anything. You know, he, he can walk in and, and uh, get the yogurt lady at the yogurt thing to let him use an expired coupon. And he, he gets all this stuff. So he ends up talking them out of all of the um, uh, decor related to that actual video game. So the large, like, video game boxes or the posters, he's like... How about if I buy this this uh, game manual that you give me two of those boxes? <laughs> and it's like I he came home with all this swag uh, last after Borderlands Two. I'm like, here, David, I got you this stuff for your collection. I'm like, how did you get this? <laughs> well, I had to be strategic. <laughs> hey, Brian, he's the Brian of our group of, of yes. their group. <laughs> not a nerdy bone in me after hearing that. He has right? no problem with people telling him no or giving him a lecture. Or not he doesn't care. He's just going to try it and see what happens. <laughs> Forget all the social cues. It's cool. <laughs> you you said you're all into board games. Have you ever been to strategic con conventions in LA? Have not. Um, the next one's coming up in February. It's called Orcon. It's on President's Day weekend. Very cool. Yeah, they do them three times a year. It's the largest board gaming convention, one of the largest in in Southern California. Wow, they're at the LAX yeah. Hilton. That sounds fun. Yeah, I um I used to spend a lot of my life at those conventions because I was coordinating Pathfinder RPG. Cool, cool. Yeah, but it's a really cool place to go. Every single one of those games you mentioned has a large representation there, including oh, yeah. probably hundreds of games you've never heard of. It's it's a really cool. Also. You can you can see a rare um, Will Wheaton sighting. <laughs> Are those rare? <laughs> he very often attends. Um, yeah. Well, one of the cool things about him attending there is he doesn't want any celebrity, so he just shows up and he um, doesn't have a whole bunch of bodyguards around him. He doesn't engage with people who try to engage him as Will Wheaton. He only engages with people who want to play games. Cool. Oh, that's that's awesome. That's pretty yeah. Cool, so it's a, a really cool place to like see people who are really into board games. You you see celebrities there all the time, and they're just there to attend the con and play a lot of board games. Excellent. Well, uh, Anthony, I've been ignoring you. Um, do you have anything coming up that you want to share? Um, you know what? My answer is the same from last episode. I'm going to be getting ready for NaNoWriMo next month. That's coming up soon, man. It's like, what, a week away? Believe it or not, I'm I planned this. And I have something new to share because, you know, because I'm always working on tons of stuff. Um, I am just watching the new season of Supernatural. That is my big project. I'm still trying to watch the last season. <laughs> it just came on Netflix. So. Get the hell caught up already, man. It's on. It, I'm. I watch Netflix. Okay, so I'm always. I'm a only on season but. seven of Supernatural, so I'm. I'm way behind. Well, the new deal with Netflix <laughs> is four days after the season finale, they put the new season up. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Because um, they're not on Hulu anymore. Mm, all right. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I'm even behind the Netflix people, basically. <laughs> So, so uh, I got a question here. All right. I got a question. Who's the nerdiest? Oh, did uh, we not vote at the beginning? I don't oh, recall voting. I don't think we've, I don't think we actually answered. Oh, <laughs> we on us. Oh, <laughs> uh, I want to say I don't David. remember what everybody did. I remember most of it. I'm going to say David. I thought David's was pretty nerdy. What was yours, David? Mine was trying to figure out what my carrying case would be for two zombies. And so I'm going to get a 
torso, a, a prop replica torso. Yeah. Hollow it out in order to be able to put our stuff inside of it. Yeah, I thought I that thought, was a good David, one. David, mostly because I don't remember what I shared myself. Yours was yours was reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. 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 No, I vote I for David. I, 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 I was going to vote for David activity, earlier. It doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, mine doesn't even count. I just thought of a costume for Halloween. If um if our listeners want to reach out to you guys, how do they, how can they do that? Well, we have uh, our social media accounts: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are all under Real Guys R E E L like a film reel, and then Guys Half of Disguise G U I S E. And um, I have my Instagram account, which is the Real Guy. The and then underscore and then R E E L underscore G U Y. And you can uh, contact us both, you know, at those media sites or direct message us. We also have an email address for folks who want to ask direct questions or for folks, some folk, that's how we get a lot of our um, people who want us to appear. We'll send to the email address, and that's uh, real underscore guys at att.net. Okay, great. That's fantastic. And for you listeners, if you want to get a hold of me or Anthony, you can reach me at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com. And you can reach um, any of us at Twitter at nerdcastradio. Yep. And our Facebook page, Nerd Podcast Radio, is the best place to communicate with us and keep in touch. We want to give you guys a request. Please review us on Stitcher, iTunes, or if it is too much for you to go into one of those podcasting apps and review because that can be tough. Um, you can just leave us a review on our Facebook page. We really appreciate that, too. Yeah, so, don't forget to like and share, everybody. Yeah. Don't forget to like and share. I just want to say, David and Paul, thank you so much for being here. I'm, I have been just blown away by all the information you guys got and just how amazing of a guest um, that we were able to get. Thank you for being Anthony's uncle. <laughs> <laughs> You're very, very welcome by that. And thank you so much for having us to appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Gracias. Well, this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. I am your host, Super Vegan Brian. And this is Hindu Anthony. Goodbye, everybody. And this was... Paul Baum and David Sholin of Real Guys Cosplay. You can say goodbye now. <laughs> goodbye now. <laughs> goodbye now. <laughs> <laughs> and as usual, stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Show. We're the Nerd Podcast Radio.